This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. And good day, everybody. Welcome to episode 125 of the Talking Fires podcast. Ben Fadden, your host. Here today, yesterday, episode 124, came to you with some more sad news, came live talking to you guys about the Nelson Cruz deal and how that deal was a punch in the gut to Padre fans. It looked like he was going to come to either us or the Los Angeles Dodgers. He ends up not even going to either of us, so that report was totally false. He ends up going to the Washington Nationals. And so that was a gut punch right there because it seemed like Nelson Cruz really wanted to be a Padre. He really wanted to be on the team, really wanted to play with Fernando, really wanted to play with Manny, loved the culture. He even said on some uh, podcast or interviews doing with La Vida Baseball, I think is what it was, he was saying how he was, thought it would be an honor to play for the San Diego Padres. And... Obviously, the Padres didn't have enough interest in him. They weren't willing to give him probably one year $15 million because if they were, he would have signed here. I think he wants to win, but when a team gives you one year $15 million essentially, if, they don't, if the Nats don't get, you know, pick up the option the second year, he gets $3 million added to that $12 million salary this year. At that point... Like, you can just hope to be traded uh, in the offseason. So that's pretty much probably his, his uh, thinking. Uh, but as for today, uh, pretty much another, you know, gut punch. Fernando Tatis Jr. fractures his left wrist. Uh, supposedly he did this during the offseason on a motorcycle accident uh, in the Dominican Republic. Uh, back, you know, at his house. Mirror's house. Uh, he's going to miss probably upwards of three months, and so obviously that's that's uh, really really something that's going to make it a lot harder for the Padres to win the division, be anywhere near the top of the division. Uh, they have a talented team, but when you take away the team's best player, arguably the best player in the league. Um, you're not going to be able to replace that guy. And we'll get to what the Padres would do and how they might replace him. Uh, but just to give you, start off with some of you know the facts, uh, because a lot has been you know on social media and all that about what really happened and Fernando's comments and what what really what the whole situation was. I don't think there's a whole lot of clarity on that. You know, fans are frustrated, and you can express your frustration if you want to, um, and rightfully so. You know, this is a guy that is the franchise. I mean, Peter Seiler just gave him $340 million, 13-year deal. That doesn't even kick in until, I think, next year. So, look, I can, I can understand why fans are going to be pissed off 
and they should be, I am. Um, but just to start off with the facts before I kind of get into my opinion, my thoughts on this. Uh, so the left, it's a left wrist fracture, I believe, out as long as three months, probably mid-June at the earliest, it feels like. Kevin Acey was on extra 1360 with Darren Smith earlier today talking about how he might be out till July or August, which really would suck. That would, I mean, after the All-Star break and you have to not have your best player, like, that's crippling. I don't care if it's a full team that you have to have. That, that's absolutely crippling. And so Tatis felt wrist, his wrist flare up a month ago uh, from today, I guess, is what he was saying. He hasn't made a, a decision on surgery, which I think is just stupid. Like, I get that there could be more tests that you have to do, and maybe, I guess if that's the reason why, okay, I can understand it. But I was of the opinion with the whole soldier, uh, not soldier, shoulder thing, he should have taken the surgery. You know, just take the surgery. I know you might have not have the full range of motion that you would have uh, before the surgery, and he feels like it's strengthened and all that, his shoulder's strong as ever. And his shoulder's good. He was talking about that earlier today when the media asked him about if his shoulder was fine. He said it was good. But I would take the surgery and really just, if, if it, you know, if you start out slow, okay, you know, but it, having you at like 70% is better than a 100% Hassan kit or Jerkson profile. And no disrespect to them, but they know that Tatis is just ridiculously talented. And so I was of the view with the shoulder thing that he should just take the surgery. So that's another question mark when he comes back is something that is going to be looming every time he tries to lay out for a ball or something like that. So there's just something about him where he just doesn't want the shoulder surgery he, or just surgeries in general. I guess he's against surgeries. Now, I haven't had some major shoulder surgery or anything like that. I don't know if anyone's in the chat has, but I'm sure it's probably scary a little bit, and I understand that. But at the same time, I think, and we'll get into his obligations as a San Diego Padre after signing that $340 million contract, but he is obligated to put the team's best interest pretty much in front of you know, what he, like, wants, to be quite honest. Like, yeah, you know, are the Padres are going to, are they going to force him to have surgery? No, I don't think they can, you know. He has the leverage here. He's like, dude, you guys already gave me $340 million, you know. I'm going to, I'm going to continue being me, you know. It's not like I have to earn a contract here. I've already, you've already made that contract for me before I played a full season. So he kind of has the leverage here, uh, but just getting back into the details, he had a picture with a brace on uh, in January. Let me see if I can pull that picture up. There was a photo in January, I think, where he had a brace around his uh, left wrist. So I'll try to pull that up, but I mean, it was just concerning then, uh, but that obviously 
people were trying, here it is, people were trying to say that it was not really anything, uh, but it was obviously because this is the same wrist that he's going to probably have to have surgery on. So I'll share my screen here for the audience watching on YouTube. This was a tweet I had earlier today. So this was a picture from January, I believe. Tatis in his in the brace, left wrist, and that's the same wrist that he's going to end up having surgery, hope, hopefully, on. Because the surgery, it's better for stabilization. It's simply better for stabilization. It's better for long term, in my opinion. So look. I guess at the end of the day, it's his decision. But if I were the doctors and all that, I would strongly say like, dude, you're a huge part in this team, in this organization. And I think it's important for you to put what the team wants and the team desires and all that in front of you and your a little bit less range of motion. Like, even if he has a little bit less range of motion, guess what? He's still Fernando Tatis Jr. He's still very, very talented. He's still an all-star. He's still an MVP candidate. Okay, maybe he doesn't dive all of the time. Okay, we saw that last year, you know, towards the end of the year where he wasn't diving as much, kind of. He was conscious about the way that he was playing. And guess what? It still worked. He ended up with 42 bombs, and he didn't even play the full season. I saw people on Twitter today talking about how you know, he, it was last year was like his first full season. No, it wasn't. He missed like 30 games. That's not a full season. Maybe it's a full season you can say if it was rest and they're just really taking it easy with him. But no, those 30 games were because he had multiple subluxations. He had a subluxation in spring training. He, he just had injury issues. 2019, he had the hamstring issue. Then when he came back late in the year, he had the back issue and shut it down. So... It's just been injuries upon injuries. I think he had an injury sliding into second base, diving into second base before he made it to the big leagues in his last year in the minors. So it's just injuries and injury prone, unfortunately, is the description that you have to put besides or under Tatis's name when we're talking about him right now. And $340 million that is yet to kick in, by the way, I believe he's supposed to make $5 million this year. That's a lot of money to give to someone if he's not going to stay healthy. So that's my point about getting the surgery. Well, we can't force him to do anything. I don't think the Padres can. They already gave him the contract. But I think he really needs to look himself in the mirror and say, like, I'm important to this team. You know, legacy, if I want a really good legacy, I got to win a World Series. In order to do that, I need to be on the field with Manny, who suits up every day. You know, I need to be on the field and hitting leadoff for Bob Melvin. I need to be available, and right now, he's not going to be available. And he said during his press conference, so he had the motorcycle accident in December, said he was using an axe at his ranch. Uh, so that's definitely concerning. I mean, you can use an axe all you want, I guess, but like maybe have someone else use the axe, not the guy that has hundreds of thousands of people you know, like relying on him. Uh, when he was asked about his motorcycle accident and when that specifically happened, he didn't really say. He said, which one, referring to what accident. And by the way, that's very concerning. If you're saying which one, meaning that you had multiple accidents during the offseason, 
and you're the star player, maybe that should tell you that maybe you should tone it down in what you're doing in the offseason. Do you see Manny having all of these injuries and motorcycle accidents? No. You know, he's still doing weight training and working his butt off in Florida. You know, I had Manny's trainer on. You can go watch or listen to that earlier this offseason talking about his weight training program and all that. And Tati said when he was ramping up a little heavier weight, that's when he kind of felt the wrist injury and knew that, like, oh, man, this isn't right. Well, look, like, Manny is doing this weight training, too, and all that. And guess what? He's not suffering these weight, these, uh, you know, wrist injuries and all that because he's not riding a motorcycle. You know, he because, because look, I guess this is the difference. I mean, this is a pro Fernando Tatis Jr. podcast, YouTube show, obviously. I have his jersey, okay? That's my Padre jersey that I have. The white home pinstripe is Tatis. Love it. Everyone loves him. But the difference between him and Machado is that Machado is experienced. Machado is the real veteran. He's the one that's acting like the real adult in the room. You know, being a leader, playing every day. Uh, I know Fernando has fought through injuries. I'm not trying to say he hasn't. But he's the one that's being smart about the decisions he's making. He's the one that knows, hey, look, you know, I'm making $300 million. I'm hitting in the middle of the lineup. We're supposed to be World Series contenders going into this year. Last year didn't work. It sucked. Okay, we got to move on. But this year, we're supposed to be prime World Series contenders. And they, the Padres need me. The fans need me if I'm going to be... If, if the Padres are going to be where we want to eventually be, so I need to be smart. I can't be riding motorcycles during the offseason. How about I have someone else drive me somewhere if that has to happen? Maybe I tone it down on all the hiking and the waterfall posting and all that. Look, you can have fun during the offseason, but there's a certain point, and I think we've definitely reached the point where it's like, you got to tone it down, Fernando. You just do. You got to realize what your impact is, who is relying on you, and you just got to just make some tweaks to be healthier and make some tweaks to just be smarter about the decisions that you're making. Just be smarter. That's all I'm asking. And you know when your parents, that phrase, so what is it? I'm not mad or upset. I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed here. It's okay to be disappointed in Fernando. You know, I know that a lot of fans, they love him, favorite player, and they don't want to bash the guy. And I don't like bashing him either. To be honest, this is a hard episode to do. I don't want to bash him. But when you're out for maybe the first half, even more of the season, because of an injury that could have been prevented, you could have not went on motorcycle in the DR. You could have been a little bit smarter with some of the activities you've been doing, maybe refrain from doing the axe, you know, moving, throwing the axe down and all that at, on your ranch. Maybe those move, this stuff could have been prevented. Now you can talk about the walkout and say, look, they couldn't communicate with them, couldn't get them into San Diego because the walkout can't communicate with the team. But that's also not even true because according to Kevin Acey today, he said, that during the lockout, team doctors were allowed to provide care to Fernando 
since they aren't actual employees of the team. The trainers might be, but the team doctors are not. And so they could provide care to Tatis, but what it seems like, according to AC, is that Fernando told the Padres that he was fine, made it seem like he was fine. And maybe he told him this before he really started amping up. But does it really hurt Fernando to just go get uh, an MRI or a, you know, get some imaging done on the wrist? Does it really hurt? You know, you're, you're, you have the money. The Padres will gladly, I'm sure, give you that opportunity to go do that if you communicated with the doctors and just were upfront and honest and said, hey, look, you know, I hurt my wrist. I, I, I'm not quite sure. He, I, I think he knows. He didn't really say what it was. He said, oh, there was a couple things that happened. Who knows where, what it really was. Essentially, that's what he was saying to the media today. But, like, look, just be smarter is my message. You could have communicated with the doctors just to be safe. And he didn't. He tried to say, I'm fine. He lied to us, lied to the media, lied to his fans, lied to his teammates in the offseason when he said, and I think his dad said it as well, that nothing was wrong. The minor accident, minor motorcycle accident that he had was, you know, he's fine after that. Nothing really happened. But that ended up being a lie because guess what? Now he's probably out for the first half of the season, at least till June. And I think this situation definitely could have been avoided. And so using the lockout can be a, an excuse that some people want to use. But look, this the real excuse that should be that should be used with that this whole situation, in fact, isn't an excuse. It's just owning up to it and saying, man, I should have been smarter. And props to him, by the way. Props to Fernando. J.P. Morosi uh, tweeted earlier that Tatis has pledged not to ride his motorcycle anymore and that the injury gave him perspective on obligations to the organization, to his teammates, to his fans, to himself. But, like, that's also, like, no, duh. Like, good. You're kind of being accountable now. I wish you would have been accountable more during the press conference that you had with the media today. And instead of... You know, saying uh, these injuries happened when the reporters reported them. You know, and, and not really being upfront with when these things happened and what really happened because he's the one that knows. I feel like he knows. But look, this should not have been the reason why all of a sudden now he's taken the motorcycle accident seriously for him enough for him to realize what he means to the team. He should have realized that during the season in these games where he was injuring himself with the subluxations and all that. It shouldn't have taken a motorcycle accident and multiple accidents in the Dominican Republic in the offseason to, to realize, oh man, you know, I maybe, I maybe just costed my team the division, you know? It should have gotten into his brain somehow earlier than this past offseason. So it's just disappointment and it's okay. It's okay to be frustrated with him. I'm frustrated with him. I'm sure a lot of people are frustrated with him inside that organization. I'm sure if you put a lie detector test on some of his teammates, they're frustrated with him because they're the ones that are being safe and they're training 
and they're being smart about the way they did it. They you know went about things. They're not throwing around axes. They're not riding motorcycles. You know because they know that they they need to be available for their team. And now you have Fernando over here not doing that. So look, it's disappointing. Um, it's it's it, it really is disappointing. Now, I'll get to some of these questions before we kind of move on to what were the pros and cons of this? What's the future looking like at shortstop for the Padres? Let's see. Jacob, hey, what's up, man? All right, time will tell if it's a mistake. At this time, it's not, in my opinion. The contract, I think, is what you're referring to. Yeah, I'm not saying that the con – I don't want to say that the contract is a mistake. Um, because, I mean, he arguably should have won MVP last year with the position changes, the 42 home runs leading the National League and home runs and all that. So I understand where people are coming from and where you're coming from, Jacob, about I'm not going to give up on him. And I'm, I'm not going to give up on him either. I mean, he's 22 years old. I'm not going to give up on him. He's supreme, really, really talented. Best player on the team, obviously, MVP candidate. He's gonna, that's, it's 40 plus bombs a year easily. I'm not giving up on him. I'm not gonna say that it's a bad contract, but I wrote in 20, or whenever this contract happened, I said they probably should have waited. It was for a site I used to write for. They probably should have waited to give him this extension. Maybe it would have costed $10 million more and all that, but at least they would have seen him play a full season at least maybe Tatis would have acted, you know, on his best behavior because he's working for that contract and he wants to stay healthy and all that. And I don't and he was under contract obviously. Like he went two years, he played two years and twenty twenty wasn't even a full season and they gave him the contract. There should have been no rush, to be quite honest. I know people are saying, Well Ben, look, you would have had to give him four hundred million dollars. Yeah, but for me, like, Seidler's already shown that he's willing to spend money. He's willing to spend, especially when it's for a guy like Fernando, he's going to be willing to spend the money. He spent $300 million on Machado. So I think he would have been willing to spend more money on Tatis when, you know, in his mind, at the forefront of his mind, he now is assured that we've seen Tatis play a full season. We have not seen him do that yet. And we thought, hey, with the lockout, man, the lockout totally took away the opportunity for Tatis, for us to finally see Tatis play a full season. Well, it was actually Fernando that took it away from himself, unfortunately, you know, this season. So I'm not going to give up on it yet. I, I agree with where you're coming from there. I'm disappointed in the pods. They knew he was having these activities after the report of an accident. They didn't check him fully. Yeah, but to be quite honest there... Fernando, from what Kevin AC is probably saying, at least that's what it seems like he's saying. I don't want to like misquote him or put words in his mouth, but what he's saying here is that Fernando, and what it feels like is Fernando told the Padres. The, the Padres checked in on him. I think the doctors communicated with Fernando, and Fernando told them that he was fine. So when your superstar player tells you, no, I'm fine, what are the doctors supposed to do in that situation, to be quite honest? You know, it's up to Tatis to say, hey, man, I think I should go get some imaging. 
uh, maybe get a cast on this thing, not just a brace for that photo that we saw here, you know? So I think some of it is on him. You could say some of it's on the team, the doctors, but I'm more disappointed in Fernando than the team doctors because it seems like Fernando said that he's he was fine. Is he just afraid of having surgery, Jacob? You know, I, that's what I alluded to, I, I think. I mean, I feel like, sadly, I feel like he is afraid. And I'm not, I can't speak to this. I've never had a major surgery, you know, after a bunch of shoulder subluxations or getting in a motorcycle accident and having to have surgery on a wrist. I haven't had that. So I'm not gonna just say, you know, he's being weak. You know, he needs to be stronger mentally and go get that surgery. You know, I'm saying it from a fan perspective that I think it would have been smarter for him to go get the shoulder surgery. I think it would have been smarter, or it would be smart for him to get this surgery after whatever test he has this week. So maybe he's, I, I think he is afraid, part of it. But to be clear, I don't want to knock him for being afraid because I've never been in those shoes. Just from a fan perspective, and what he brings to the team, it's frustrating that he didn't get the shoulder surgery and he is still debating according to what he said this morning about if he's actually gonna get the surgery or not. I'm guessing he doesn't come back to the All-Star break, we gotta ride the Kim train. We'll get to that. Uh, Hassan Kim, CJ Abrams, those seem like the two big options at shortstop, you know, to fill in for whatever uh, however long Tatis is out, and I guess we could get into that right now. Uh, look, Kim is probably going to be short at shortstop. AJ Castellot at articleonmovie.com saying that this is Kim's chance. He's going to get the opportunities. Bob Melvin told the media that Kim is going to get the uh, opportunities probably before Abrams, and rightfully so because Abrams is 21 years old or whatever, and Kim already has a gear major league contract, second year of his contract, has experience playing in the big leagues, so he'll get the opportunity before Abrams, and let's see what he can do with it. He's great defensively, he looked jacked in that picture that we saw earlier this offseason, and we'll see if that leads to anything. He, I think he spoke to reporters earlier today, and he was saying how he really worked in the offseason uh, from, pit, you know, machines and high velocity which is kind of what he struggled with early on last year and he thinks with consistent at bats he can really be a good hitter and an improved hitter so we'll see and i think that's going to be a big thing to watch obviously in spring training how many at bats bob Millen is giving kim compared to abrams and to be quite honest i think that abrams and kim should be playing almost every game getting as many at bats as possible and say look we're going to give both of you guys the chance here and maybe we'll ride the hot guy, or if we're seeing something behind the scenes that we're more comfortable in with one guy over the other, or we just want to be safe and put Abrams in the minor leagues, you know, prove that he can continue playing well in the minor leagues before bringing him up. Uh, but I think, but look, Kim is going to get that first opportunity to be the major shortstop with Jake at second for now, uh, and. Unfortunately, Hosmer at first base. Uh, the Padres posted a video on their social media today. Let me, where did I see that? 
They posted a video, uh, 97.3 The Fan did, I believe. Posted videos from the workouts today. Uh, Will Myers was there, Hosmer and Manny were not seen in those videos, so I don't know where Manny is, and Hosmer, maybe he's staying away, maybe he knows something that we don't, or he just doesn't want to talk to the media, or he has family stuff. I don't know, I don't want to speculate on that, but I haven't seen him at all where we finally did see Will at camp. Um, Kim was at shortstop in these videos that 97.3 The Fan posted on Twitter. Kim was taking grounders at short, Jake was at second, Abrams was at second. Um, according to the videos, maybe they both played shortstop at some point, maybe Carnivore played some first, who knows, but from the fungos that they were being hit in these videos, Kim was at short, Jake and Abrams were at second base during these points in time. So Kim is gonna get the bulk first big opportunity and that's one of the big questions, is it Kim or Abrams for the title of this episode? Is it Kim or Abrams at shortstop? And right now it's gonna be Kim. That's who my gut it's gonna be uh, because of uh, Abrams' age, hasn't even played in AAA yet, coming off that injury. You know, maybe they want him to get a little stronger still. Who knows? He, out of reports that I've seen, he's bulked up. Abrams has, he has more zip on his throws. Um, what else? A little more power, poking some balls over the fence during BP. So he is getting stronger, and if he gets stronger, he's a five-tool player and definitely untouchable now, no doubt about it, after this Tatis injury. So if anyone still has that argument that I'll trade Abrams in a heartbeat for Brian Reynolds, stop. You, you got to stop him. Just stop. Dennis Lynn said they're considering trading Abrams. For who? Who are they considering trading Abrams for? Mike Trout? I mean, like, Abrams is untouchable right now. He's very valuable with that this Tatis injury. I get Abrams got hurt last year, but he is still young, a smaller Tatis. It doesn't seem like he's riding motorcycles during the offseason, so he probably is being smarter about his decisions and an increased chance of him staying healthy when he reaches the big leagues. So... Look, even if Tatis does stay healthy, and obviously that's what we hope, look, I don't want to just keep bashing Fernando. Um, and if he stays healthy, then Abrams will be in center, second base, wherever. He will be in the lineup if he's on the team, on the roster. Uh, but I would not be considering trading Abrams, especially with the Matt Olson trade happening today. And we'll get to all the Major League Baseball moves, where the Dodgers stand and everything, an update on Seiya Suzuki, that will come earlier, or excuse me, later in this episode as well. Uh, BL, Nats waited to offer Soto that extension, now he's gonna get 400 million. I understand that. And I think their situation's a little different than the Padres. Them, I can make the case that they should have offered that extension earlier and more money um, to really lock down Soto, because from what I know, he hasn't really dealt with those big injury issues like Fernando has. Fernando's more of a question mark. And so, look, the Padres, I think, should have waited. The Nationals, I don't think they should have waited. Uh, Mike Rizzo, their GM, said today that it's like their top priority to keep working with Juan on an extension. So maybe they do get that done. And I understand that point, but I'd rather be safe and, look, these are billionaires that we are talking about. 
And if Tatis is healthy, more fans show up in the ballpark. That means it's a higher revenue for Peter Seidler and ownership. And so that's more money they have to reimburse into the team. So if Tatis is healthy, there's, you know, snowball effects where they'd be able to offer him that more money. And, and that security will make Seidler feel better. And they still have the 13 years still has not even started yet. Where did Lynn say that? Yeah, I don't know. Let's not should all over ourselves. Let's hope it's a wake-up call and he comes back better than ever and earns that statue. I think he – look, if he stays healthy, I think he will earn the statue. Like this guy, he's already in the top 20 of all time in Padres' war, and he hasn't even played a full season yet without really major injuries. So the sky's the limit for him. He's going to win an MVP if he keeps what he's doing up. He, argued, he had a great case to win last year, you know, being willing to shift to the outfield in the middle of the season and hit 40-plus bombs and all that. Ian in the leadoff spot, hit five home runs in three games against the Dodgers, against some of the best pitchers in baseball that weekend. Uh, look, he had a three-homer game against the Diamondbacks I was there for earlier in 2021. So, look, the sky's the limit. I think he's going to have that statue. All I'm saying is as I'm sitting here tonight, I'm disappointed in Fernando. I think... He needs to, and according to J.P. Morosi, it seems like he's realized the impact that he has on the community and the team, the city, and the role that he should be playing in a, building a championship roster. He's at the forefront of that. And so I think he will learn from this. But I'm just disappointed because I think it could have been prevented and he could be healthy in 2022 on opening day, April 7th in Arizona, and he's not going to. Only thing we can do is hope and believe in Tatis and the team at the end of the day. I believe in him, yeah. You check him after an accident regardless. Yeah, I agree. They should have checked him. I think, but again, I'll go back to the point. They, I think they did check him. But when your star player says, no, I'm fine, you know, they probably said, thank you for looking out for me. I'm fine. You know, don't worry about it. What are they going to do, you know? If we're offering A-rooms, then we have to have a huge sign like Freeman. Well, I mean, look, you don't have a – they're not in the Freddie Freeman sweepstakes. And they have Eric Cosmer on the roster still. And they just lost a potential suitor, I think, in the Oakland A's, where they could have maybe got back a first baseman at Matt Olson if they were willing to part with Robert Hass for third or A-rooms. I wouldn't have done that, but – that was floated about, um, but they're not in the Freeman sweepstakes, and I don't think they're going to be offering Abrams, especially after this injury. What will San Diego do about Hosmer? Uh, who knows? Who knows? A lot's up in the air with that. They're aggressively shopping him and Will Myers. Uh, I think it was great that Will Myers spoke to the media today in the clubhouse. It's great that the media in the clubhouse, by the way, spoke to the media and. He was up front. He says, I know I've been in trade talks, but guess what? I'm still here. I'm going to play out my contract. While on the other hand, you have Eric Hosmer, uh, you know, just taking in $75.5 million that he hasn't earned on the field. And instead, he's saying reporters should be doing better and that they shouldn't be asking him these tough questions, like he said after the trade deadline last year when his name was floating about, when Preller was just trying to do his job. Uh, 
Bob Mellon won in Oakland with less talent last year and won at one point nineteen straight. That that's a good point. Yeah, KJ, that's a good point. He did win with a less talented roster, but Matt Chapman was pretty much healthy there. Matt Olson, an all-star caliber first baseman, one of the best first basemen in the league. He was in the lineup. So he had his star players available, and he's had them available. He had Chris Davis a few years back when he was in his prime and hitting a bunch of bombs at the DH spot. And now the Padres won't have those 40 home runs in the lineup for the first probably half of the season. So I think there's still going to be a playoff team even without Fernando. This team is stacked. On paper, Manny, Cronenworth, hopefully you get some power in the outfield, DH. Still, the Padres haven't made a single move. They haven't even brought in Nick Martinez. They haven't even done that physical yet, so I have no idea what Preller's doing. Now, maybe that explains why he hasn't made a move. He was busy with this whole Fernando fiasco, uh, but like, it's frustrating that they haven't made a move, but I, I don't want to put the panic button, panic button on it because Suzuki's talking with the Cubs. That's part of the latest update that I'll talk about. The Giants seem interested in him, the Mariners, other teams like that, Dodgers maybe. So he's he's going around talking to the other teams, so that might take a while. Other big free agents, Bryant, Castellanos, haven't signed yet. So until they sign and they move elsewhere, like Nelson Cruz, when he signed with the Nationals, I was I, that's when I got panicked DH-wise because you're not going to make up. There's no DH out there that can make up Nelson Cruz's guaranteed 30-plus home runs a year like he's done in the last seven full seasons, he's had over 32 home runs, or 32 home runs or more. You're not gonna get that in Jorge Soler probably, if you bring him in. You're not getting that with Jock Peterson, guys like that. Chris Davis isn't what he used to be, you know, in the DH market. You're not gonna get that out of Jorge Alfaro or whoever you wanna put there in the DH spot if you don't get another power hitting guy. So, um, I, I understand your point, KJ. I think it's a good one saying that Bob Mellon did win with less talented, with less talent last year. Um, but he hasn't had a player as talented as Fernando. Correct me if I'm wrong, but he has not had Fernando, and he has, he's not going to get to manage him until probably the middle of the season. Brian Perez, Tatis is immature. Look, I don't want to go that far. I think he was just, he was not thinking right about his role on the Padres when he was riding the motorcycle and doing the stuff in the offseason. Um, you know, I, I guess I'm fine with him hiking and all that, but it's like the waterfalls and the axe stuff that he was talking about and obviously the motorcycle where it's like, come on, man, like, do you really have to do that? Like, why can't you just be a little smarter? Just be a little smarter, you know? We're giving you, the Padres are giving you $340 million. Us fans are helping pay for that contract. And we're doing that because we want to see you play and we know, we believe in you, Fernando. We believe in you. My family has season tickets. A big reason that they love going to games, guess what? It's because of Fernando, watching him play. And we're sitting there in the stands in the upper deck watching him play. And you see him with a three-home run game last year. And we're just laughing to each other because it's like, holy cow, this guy is so freaking talented. We have him on our team. And so it's just 
I don't want to go so far in saying he's immature. I think he just wasn't thinking right um, about the team and what his main priority should be and what the Padres are relying on him to be, which is to be on the field. Is there any word of anyone other than Saya being talked about in the outfield for us? Seems like it's him or bust. Yeah, I mean, there haven't even been rumors of Castellanos or Bryant after the lockout, really. Kevin Acey went on the podcast, the YouTube show, this show, Talking Friars, a couple weeks ago, told me that it would, Potters knew it would be an excellent outcome if they got Suzuki, so it seems like they're in. You know, he took bad in practice at Petco and all that. For me, it doesn't seem like Chris Bryant has met with the Padres. Castellanos doesn't seem like he's met with the Padres post-lockout. So that's what it feels like. But other options, I mean, you have Jock Peterson, you have Jorge Soler, Eddie Rosario. Um, there are other options out there. Andrew McCutcheon went to Milwaukee. I thought he would have been a nice fourth outfield option. I love him. Uh, Tommy Pham's still out there. I know fans don't really want him back. Conforto's still out there. So... There's still options, but um, if they don't get Suzuki, that'll hurt because they're they're they really want him. Fernando needs to permanently move to San Diego, be more active in the community. I don't really agree with that. I think he's look, he's a fan favorite. You know, he does a lot for the kids during the season and all that. I'm not going to bash him for living where his family lives and where his friends growing up live. Go live wherever you want in the offseason. I'm just saying that I think he should be smarter riding motorcycles and with all the waterfalls and all that stuff and the axe, using axes. Go live in the Dominican. Dude, I value family a lot. Go live where you want to live. No. I disagree saying that you need to move to San Diego. Like, no. Family is a priority. You can go spend time with family in the offseason. I just think he needs to be smarter, and this could be a this could have been avoided. You can spend time with family without you know being on a motorcycle and all that stuff. That that's just where I'm coming from. Paddock throwing today is encouraging. Yeah, saw that. Gore was throwing today as well. Schwarber. Forgot about him, Jacob. That's another option. We discussed that. I discussed that with you on a previous episode. I think that it wouldn't be smart for them to go four years, seventy million on him for only to just to be a DH. I think with this Fernando injury, uh, they might DH him later when he comes back and all that, depending on where CJ is and if he's in the outfield. Who knows? If Kim's doing well, who knows? Uh, but Schwarber might be an option. I, I don't think that they should go long term on him. Lament maybe is closer. Uh, yeah, I heard about that. Some rumblings about that, but I'm not going to just jump and say, look, this guy can be our closer. You're going to have to show me that you can stay healthy and provide some innings, one inning burst, not back-to-back-to-back, high-tense situations at Dodger Stadium, stuff like that. We're going to miss what Tatis provides, but our pitching should be superb. Clev is back, Niebla and his coaching staff is something we need to heed to and should be better than the past coaching. The coaching staff, I like where the coaching staff's at. I like Clev being back. He feels better than he did before the injury. So I agree with that. 
Would love having Lamette. His closer, other than Tom and Tim Hill, I don't know if he's truly reliable. I like Luis Garcia, to be quite honest, as that closer role. Uh, upper 90s with St. Louis, I think he can take on that closer role. Um, I think they're, they're going to give Pagan a chance. I think Pomerantz, they, they will give a chance if he can prove that he can stay healthy. Just like Lamette, I think they'll give a chance to him as well. So that's another storyline to watch uh, in spring training is who that closer opportunity will go to. Tatis can be prevented, but it was an accident at the end of the day. I'm not saying that he's trying to go hurt himself. What I'm saying is these injuries could have been avoided. That's all I'm saying is that he should have been smarter and riding a motorcycle isn't the smartest thing to do when a whole team, a whole city is relying on you and you're the face of the franchise and you're at a prime position in Major League Baseball. Not just the Padres, but the league. You're like the face of the league. MLB the show covers and all that. So I'm just saying it could have been prevented. I'm not saying that this he was trying to hurt himself. I'm just saying that I think it could have been prevented. Should the Padres try and trade Fran Mill or get back Fran Mill? I think they're probably going to explore that, but I think they'd have to give it prospect capital. For the Guardians, I don't think they're just trying to tank right now. I think they're going to try to build around at least this year at the beginning with Jose Ramirez and Fran Mill Reyes. So I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, but I think the Padres should explore it. Yeah, he was a fan favorite. And I think the clubhouse definitely – that's where they – it felt like they kind of like gave up in 2019 when they traded Fran Mill. Like they were like, really, Preller? You're going to trade Fran Mill? This guy was like the heart of this clubhouse, him and Tatis and all that. They were having fun. He was playing well, fan favorite, you know, Lamola, yeah, in, in right field and all that. Like, And then you trade him just to flip Trammell, who was a top prospect, just – to flip him to the Mariners, remember that. So yeah, I mean, you know, and then you gave up Logan Allen as well. He would have been a depth option right now. So, if, and then obviously you flip Trammell to Seattle, and guess what? That move hasn't worked out. Austin Nola hasn't stayed healthy. Dan Altavia isn't even on the team anymore. I don't even. You can count the number of appearances he had on the team in one hand. Austin Adams is hitting a million guys. So that, that trade has not worked out really great. And, yeah, you'd like to have Fran Mill. He'd be the prime DH option. Or he'd be the right field option because he's a better outfield option in terms of power than profile. Plus or minus 80 wins. Do the math with the pitching staff doesn't sound attainable. 80 wins definitely sounds attainable even without Fernando. The Rockies aren't going to be great this year. The Diamondbacks are going to be sellers by the deadline. This team's talented. I could go down the list. You know, look, you could say that it's top-heavy, right? You could say that it's Manny. You could say uh, that it's Cronenworth. And then what else, uh, especially with this, you know, missing out on Cruz and, you know, now no Tatis for the first half of the season probably. It's top-heavy. But in terms of the pitching, it's stacked. You're getting back Weathers, Paddock, Morahone for maybe bullpen spots, Lamette, Ray Kerr, who you traded for in the Adam Frazier deal. Frazier deal, he can hit 100. Kevin Copps, who we had on the podcast earlier uh, in this offseason. You can go look or watch, look at that on YouTube or listen to that when this episode's done. Um, he's an option, Golden Spikes Award winner. Um, starting rotation, you get club back, Musgrove healthy. Snell, I'm confident he can stay healthy. The groin thing, I, 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 
hope that that was a little bit of a fluke. Darvish I'm a little worried about because that was really like a pinching injury with the back. Um, but he seems healthy. Um, so look, they have options. They're stacked in terms of names and on paper-wise. I think they have the best rotation in baseball on paper. But on paper means nothing as we saw in last year. So I would give them more than 80 wins. Look, I, th I think they're still talented with Grisham. I think he's going to have a bounce back here. I think Myers is going to have a bounce back here. So I'm not going to just say the season's over like people were saying on Twitter. Like, Tatis is going to come back, it seems like, at the, at the end of the year at some point. It's just I don't, I don't see them winning the division. We eventually got Austin Nola from the frame mill trade. I think he'd be great at first if we somehow dump Hosmer. Well, if we dump Hosmer, who are we getting back? I think that's a big question that you got away. And I think that if you dump Hosmer, maybe your best situation is having CJ short and having Jake at first, an all-star, by the way, who was in the all-star game as a first baseman. And you have Hassan Kim at second. Or you put Abrams, Abrams in second, like he was fielding grounders earlier today and Peoria at second. So Nola at first, I think you want more power out of that position. And Nola just... He just can't really stay healthy. That's unfortunate. I know he can play first, and that's an option. But I know Caratini can play first as well. Profar can play first as well. So those are all options. I guess Nola is an option. I just don't see them dumping Hosmer before the season. Easier to stay healthy at first. Yeah, I know. Yep. Forgot you guys said Adam Frazier. Yeah, we used to. That worked out great. Not. Paddock Weathers, too. Yeah, I think I mentioned them. Uh, but let's just get back here to uh, what I was going to talk about in terms of the pros, the cons, the effects of this Tatis injury. Obviously, Kim now at second or short. Jake at second, maybe. Maybe at first. If no Abrams, he's gonna probably going to be at second. Missing Nelson Cruz definitely uh, stings even more now. You know, this feels totally like a Max Scherzer situation last year where Max Scherzer, they don't get him and then later that day, Paddock gets hurt and then the whole freaking rotation ends up getting hurt. So it feels like that situation where they missed out on power 30 plus home runs and then the very next day your biggest power threat gets hurt. Like that, that's just a punch in the stomach through all the memes about people kicking you know, themselves in the nuts and all that. I mean, just a gut punch. Like a big gut punch um, and missing Cruz, like that power. Like if you think about it, I was thinking about it earlier today and yesterday I was talking about how excited I was thinking about the lineup that possibly could have happened and all that, you know, with Abrams and Cruz, Tatis and Cronenworth and Manning and Myers, uh, you know, and just go down the line and Grisham being a second leadoff hitter. Now Grisham might be end, end up being a leadoff hitter now because of no Tatis. There's a lot of after effects, but you know, I was making that lineup, and you, you put Cruz in there, and you put Suzuki in there. It's not a guarantee that they get Suzuki. You have Cruz. That's 30-plus home runs, pretty much guaranteed. And if, if we're saying that Fernando is going to miss the first half of the season, like he, you know, it, like it seems like, and he hit 40 home runs last year plus in 130-something games, I'm going to assume that he would have hit 20, at least 20 home runs during uh, – the time that he's now going to be hurt and recovering from surgery if he ends up having that. Uh, so that's 50 home runs if you count Cruz his full season. 
and you count Fernando's, you know, the first half of the season and he's going to miss, that's 50 home runs that you're not making that isn't in the lineup right now. Could you go get Suzuki? Yeah. Could you go get Bryant? Yeah. Could you go get Castellanos? Yeah. Could you go get Jock Peterson or Conforto? Yeah. And you could make up some of that, but you're not going to go find 50 home runs, especially with the amount of money that Scyther has under that luxury tax. It's, it's like $20 million. You're not going to find 50 home runs in $20 million. Will Kim, you can make the argument, will Kim have better numbers, power numbers? Maybe. Um, but, like, I'm not counting on that. Abrams hasn't really developed into a power hitter if he's, if he's up on opening day. So you're just not going to find exact, you know, you're not going to make the full 50 home runs. So that's definitely an effect, the snowball effect of this. And missing Cruz definitely stings even more with Tatis being out. Uh, like I mentioned, Abrams definitely an effect here. He's definitely untouchable. He's bulked up extra pop. He's definitely untouchable now if he wasn't already. I thought he was untouchable already. Uh, a big question here, do the Padres, who was floated out there, do they go after Trevor Story on a one-year deal or Carlos Correa on a one-year deal? And that, that, that idea is pretty stupid. Why would uh, – you could make a case that Story might want that, one year, $40 million, something like that, high AAV, and then go out where there's less shortstop comp uh, you know, competition next year on the market. I could see that. But for the Padres' point of view, with both Correa and Story, why the heck would they do that? You're $20 million under the cap, according to spot, uh, the not the cap, but the luxury tax threshold, that $230 million uh, threshold, you're only $20 million there. And it would take more than $20 million for Correa and for Story to come here on a one-year deal because you'd want it to be high AAV, and that would take you well over the competitive balance tax threshold. And then when Tatis comes back, are they going to play second base? Are they going to be comfortable playing second base? You know, who knows? Uh, so that doesn't make sense money-wise for the Padres. A big effect of this, for me, Manny needs to be MVP caliber from start to finish him next year. Jake can't take a step back either. You know, we talked about how this lineup is so top-heavy and all that, and it is. It seems like right now that, you know, more moves might be made, and hopefully more moves are made. Uh, but, you know, Manny can't take a step back. Same with Cronenworth. Uh, like, they had all-star caliber seasons, and the pitching fell apart. I understand that. But even with their all-star caliber seasons, the offense was not great in the second half of the season. You know, it just wasn't. So they need to be great that first half of the season, definitely, uh, if they're going to carry that load and if they want to stay in the division race, I think, at all. And obviously, you want the Padres rotation to be healthy as well. So, um, Jacob just texted me saying Cronenworth, he's going to be eased into camp after re-aggravating what has been deemed a minor adductor injury. That's the first time I've seen that. Uh, I don't think, I don't think that's a big thing to worry about. I mean, the adductor isn't like, that's not like, it's not like they're saying, oh, he might have to have surgery if it doesn't get better. So maybe – I'll put that into a positive, Jacob, and for everyone listening and watching. I'll turn that Cronenworth news actually into a positive and say, okay, take it slow. We know he's an all-star. We know he can perform well. Be healthy for the season because we know we need you with Tatis out. Now play Abrams and Kim's 
and Kim every single day. You know, give them as much opportunity, both of them in the lineup, give them as much opportunity as possible to earn that starting shortstop job and see where it goes. That's what you got to do. So I'll turn – that's a positive for me to be quite honest with that chronoworth adductor news. Um, top two seeds, another takeaway, top two seeds get a bye in the postseason with the expanded playoffs. I don't see the Potters how, how they can get that with Tatis out. I mean he, that's probably like five wins that they're not going to be able to get at least in terms of war with Tatis out. It feels like maybe he's going to miss the first half of the season. Um, so I don't see with the Dodgers if they can stay healthy and the Giants if they stay healthy and Brandon Crawford has another like MVP caliber year. It's going to be hard for me to see that the Padres end up getting one of those top two seeds by obviously winning their division and being one of those top two division winners because you got to win the division to be that. And so this Tatis news, even if they make the playoffs, they'll have to play a wild card series. Maybe they have to end up playing the Brewers or something where they have Woodruff, Burns, uh, and another guy. Uh, who's that other guy? Um, Adrian Hauser in that, that three-game series, and it's all in Milwaukee and all that. Just there's effects there that I'm thinking about, and it's kind of depressing to think about, uh, but that's definitely a uh, effect. Another effect, Tatis' 6.6 war last year. If it was replicated, that's probably three wins. So I said five wins. I was probably exaggerating there. Probably three wins war-wise if he replicates that exact same year, that first half of the season, that they're going to miss. Now, war, I think doesn't take into effect all of the things Tatis does. I know it's a full encompassing stat, but in terms of the stealing bases and getting into scoring position and then Manny knocks him in, you know, little stuff like that, and they end up winning by one run. Stuff like that. I don't know if Ward takes that into account um, or the diving plays that he makes and all that stuff. I don't know what how he takes that into account. Or when he hits the home runs, is it three home runs against the Diamondbacks where it's a blowout like it was last year? While it was impressive, it was a blowout. Or is the home run, you know, in a one-run game, it's a walk-off home run where he's really responsible for the win? Does War really take that into account? So maybe it is more like five, six wins that uh, isn't going to happen because of the Tatis injury. But again, we'll see. So that's another effect I put down. Like I mentioned, that's 50 home runs that you're probably not going to get back with Cruz the full season. Now, they might have to trade for him. They might end up trading for him. But the Potters are going to look stupid if they do that because they could have just signed him in free agency and not given up a big prospect like the Nats are going to command because there's going to be teams interested. Teams are going to be interested in Cruz and willing to give up a prospect because they're going to go all in And because Cruz is that guy. I mean, 30-plus home runs for the last seven full seasons, he's that guy. And so I don't think that would be smart. That, that, I mean, maybe it was smart, but that wouldn't be great uh, for Padres to turn around and trade for Tati, or for uh, Nelson Cruz when they didn't want to sign him in free agency. Uh, Tatis may have had the surgery this offseason uh, if it weren't for the lockout that prevented team doctors from looking at him. This note that I wrote down, by the way, uh, doesn't really hold true right now uh, because, like I mentioned, the team doctors could have communicated with him during the lockout because they're technically not team employees like I believe the trainers are. Um, so 
I think he tech now maybe he couldn't have had the surgery because he probably wanted to run it through the Padres, having a Padre run doctor and all of that. So maybe that point's still valid that I wrote down earlier today uh, when this news came down. But in terms of like them getting out in front of it, they could have gotten out in front of it. Tatis could have gotten out in front of it more by just saying, you know, I had this accident. You know, my wrist doesn't really hurt that much, but hey, can we go get it checked out? I think that's just smart for the franchise. He, it doesn't seem like he did that. Isn't there a clutch hitting stat, Jerry asked? There is, and maybe that's what's put into war. I, I'm not quite sure. Um, but yeah, that's, so that's really the Tatis thing. You know, we pretty much spent the first hour of this podcast here of talking about Tatis and the effects and how much a kick in the nuts this is. And especially after losing Nelson Cruz, it's a double kick in the nuts. It's like Max Scherzer all over again, except power-wise. You just lose 50 home runs, essentially, like I've mentioned multiple times already in this episode. So a big punch to the gut. Uh, and then AC coming out. I mean, I like AC. Came on the, the podcast uh, a couple weeks ago. But I'll pull up the tweet that he had earlier today. And it's like... Why even make this tweet? It, it didn't make sense. It was talking about Sei Suzuki's t uh, decision and that it wasn't really that far away. Uh, here, I'll share my screen here. We'll get into Seiya's uh, decision right now, actually. That's a good transition. Seiya Suzuki's going to meet with the Cubs, by the way, tonight. He is meeting with them probably right now. It appears Seiya Suzuki's decision is not far away. Kevin Acey tweeted... And today might not be a total loss for the Padres. That was tweeted at 11.40 a.m. Pacific time, I believe, on the east, uh, on the west coast. And then he comes back with, with a tweet, you know, as a thread, replying to himself, essentially saying, hey, you know, exercise caution. This could take a while, and it could go another way as much as any year this market is volatile. So in one instance, one second, he says his decision is not far away. Might not be a total loss for the Padres. And then the very next second he says, exercise caution, this might take a while. So it's not far away, and then it might take a while. Which one is it? So I know a lot of fans definitely got on him about that, and I, rightfully so. That didn't really make a whole lot of sense, that tweet. I don't really know what he was doing there. Uh, getting fans' hopes up and then saying, oh, no, 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 well, might take a while. And it is going to take a while, I think. I mean, he's meeting with the Cubs. There's other interests. He spent a couple days with the Padres, so if he's going to be doing that with the Cubs, a couple days with the Cubs, a couple days with the Giants and all of that, then it might take a while, yeah. And while that's happening, you see other outfielders, Tommy Pham, Michael Conforto, Castellanos, Bryant, guys like that, you might see them go off the, you know, off the board, and if the Padres are just waiting for them to go get Suzuki and banking that Suzuki is going to come, I don't know if that's the greatest choice. He could be left behind. Um, Tatis comes back to DH. Know that question here. Keep his wrist and shoulder out of harm's way for the rest of the season. I think that's an opportunity. I think that's definitely an opportunity that the Padres are looking at. Uh, definitely when he comes back. Obviously assuming he does come back healthy. Middle of the season and all that. And definitely that's an option if they don't get a DH. They don't pick up a real DH. 
and Abrams is up and he's playing well, or Kim is up and he's you know obviously on the roster still, not hurt, and he's playing well offensively, not just defensively, that definitely could be an option. I don't see them going back to the outfield that way. I don't think Fernando liked that, and he views himself as a shortstop. Um, so that is an option, yeah. Uh, but in terms of the SEA updates, again, met with the Cubs, it seems like, today. I don't know what else, where else he's meeting with, but that's the report that I believe um, Dennis Lynn came out of, with earlier today. Uh, or Shadev Sharma or whoever. Someone retweeted it. One of the athletic, either the Cubs, Potters, rather, put that out there that Suzuki was meeting with the Chicago Cubs today and the Cubs are interested. Uh, but there was a false report out of Japan that reported that Suzuki was had agreed to a Padres deal, five years, $70 million. And I'll pull that up here for the YouTube audience. It was just this bogus report that people, that Bob Nightingale literally put out and said that, hey, it might not be a total bad day for the Padres, something to that effect, when... He didn't even look at the account. The account that he re that he quote tweet that he quote tweeted was literally an account that had 24 followers at the time. And um, let's see here. I'll share my screen here with this tweet. So 97.3 the fan, uh, they actually jumped the gun on it as well saying, let's go, they tweeted, they deleted their tweet about it, obviously. Um, but Bob, quote, tweeted this, saying that, you know, believing in this article and all that, uh, by Yahoo Japan, or by this Twitter account, um, he, uh, quote, tweeted this without even looking into the author. Let's see if he still has this article up there. Uh, I don't, I, he probably deleted it. Yeah, it looks like he deleted it. So, uh, he deleted it, retracted from it, obviously. Uh, but yeah, he like quote treated it and said, Hey, the Padres, maybe they might, uh, you know, it might not be something to the effect of it might not be that bad of a day after all. I'm going to try to pull up this article that was written. All right, here it is. I'll share my screen again for the YouTube, for the, uh, YouTube audience. So this was the article that was written that was false. Uh, I don't know where the translator button is. But anyway, it was this is just a Japanese article that was written. And it was talking about how the offer was five years, 70 million. And he'd reach agreement already pretty much with the, with the Padres. That's false. That didn't happen. Suzuki came out on Instagram and said that he hadn't reached agreement. Don't buy into that article. So all the false hope, hope there, even more false hope for any of the dummies that ended up 
you know, trying to believe in Suzuki actually agreeing to a deal with the Padres before talking with the Cubs and other teams like that. Um, until Passan and national reporters, not named Bob, Bob Nightingale, to be quite honest, tweet it, uh, I'm not going to believe it that Suzuki is a Padre. Um, so that's the latest news, news of Suzuki. Six, seven teams interested, it feels like. Uh, the Yahoo report was wrong. Cubs met with them earlier today. Padres obviously are really interested in them or in him. Darvish was talking with him and his family before he went off to Arizona and when Seiya was in town in San Diego. Um, he took batting practice at Petco, it seems like, met with the front office. So we'll see where that goes. We'll see where that goes. But I think it might be a couple days before that decision is made because of how many teams are interested and he probably – wants to talk with all of them to raise his price tag up and maybe see if there's a better fit than San Diego. You know? Who knows? Um, that's pretty much the Padres news. Let's get to the Major League Baseball news. And there's news that does affect the Padres. Uh, Sean Doolittle agreed to a deal with the Washington Nationals. Post-lockout, the Nationals have added Nelson Cruz, Steve Keyshack, Annabelle Sanchez, Cesar Hernandez, Michael Franco, Dean Gordon, and Sean Doolittle. So they're adding a bunch of guys. And like I mentioned earlier, Mike Rizzo, he wants the first priority for the Nats to be to get a, an extension done. Brad Hand, former Padre, went to the Philadelphia Phillies, one year, $6 million. Uh, that adds to Jury's Familia, that addition that they had as well. Um, Matt Olson, this was a big deal. Matt Olson traded to the Atlanta Braves for Ryan Cusick, Joey Estes, Christian Pache, he's the big one, and Shea Langeliers. Uh, Matt Olson, all-star first baseman. Obviously, fans had that pipe dream of him reuniting with Bob Melvin and being the starting first baseman, and all these mock lineups of Matt Olson being traded to the Padres and having him, you know, all these mock lineups of Olson in that batting order and all that, and somehow the A's wanting to take on Hosmer's contract and all that. It's like, there's no way that was going to happen. Look, the Braves are willing to give up Christian Pache. That's like Robert Hassel III or C.J. Abrams to the Padres. They were willing to give that up, uh, partly because they have Ronald Kuda Jr. there in Atlanta. So they were willing to give that up to get Matt Olson. Um, and the Braves, to be quite honest, they just, I think they wanted security to know that they were going to have an all-star first baseman on the roster because Freddie Freeman could have signed elsewhere if they didn't make a trade and maybe someone else trades for Matt Olson and then the Braves are stuck with a less a lesser first baseman uh, that maybe they didn't they weren't really all in on like they obviously were with Olson because they literally traded like the farm for the guy I'm surprised the A's didn't get Kyle Wright out of it to be quite honest um, but in terms of the the ripple effects of this Matt Olson deal for the Padres it's big. I mean, I tweeted on the Instagram story with the passing tweet, you know, captioned for me, uh-oh, dot, 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 because for anyone that knows, like, Matt Olson going to the Braves, that means the Braves aren't bringing back Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman's done with the Atlanta Braves, which is surprising to me. And it's a shame the way that the Braves have treated him. Uh, but exactly, that is the ripple effect. Freeman to the Dodgers seems like the most likely scenario um, because Matt Olson, obviously with the Braves, Braves aren't going to be a main suitor anymore for Freddie Freeman. And it seemed like it was going to come down to 
the Dodgers and the Braves for Freddie Freeman services. The Yankees might still be involved. There was a report out about the Blue Jays, and I guess like Vlad Jr. changed his profile Instagram to third baseman for the Blue Jays instead of first baseman. So maybe they're recruiting him that way. I don't know. I don't think the Blue Jays are going to pay that much money after giving that money to Gosman and then spending that money on Kikuchi, spending that money on Springer last offseason. I don't think they have. And then I just don't think that they're going to spend that amount of money. There was a report about the Rays even offering Freeman before the lockout, which was totally a bad look for the owners. You know, prove that they have the money. You know, you're going to offer a World Series champion, best first baseman in baseball. You have the money to offer him that. You just gave Juan Franco over $100 million. Uh, so you have the money. That's a bad look on the owners. So there's a lot of different teams that supposedly had an interest in him. But it seems like the Dodgers are that prime candidate right now. And the Braves are one less suitor. And it seemed like they were down to those two suitors. So I'd be surprised if he doesn't end up with the Dodgers be quite honest and that's obviously going to suck for the Padres because now that not only means that you don't have 20 plus home runs from Tatis in the first half of the season you don't have 30 home runs from Nelson Cruz the whole year so 50 in total there then you add the even bigger gap that Freddie Freeman is adding 30 home runs probably to the Dodgers lineup so it sucks but that's probably what's going to happen that's probably the ripple effect of Freddie Freeman or Matt Olson deal and where Freddie Freeman's going to go. But in terms of, I, I did want to touch, I know this isn't a Braves podcast, but it is a baseball podcast, and I wanted to touch on the Atlanta Braves and their treatment of Freddie Freeman. I mean, supposedly they didn't even tell Freddie that they were going to make this deal and that they were no longer interested in him. Brian Snitker was told by reporters because he was on the field all day, that, hey, Matt Olson's being traded to you guys. You know, you're a Freddie Freeman guy that's been such a big part of the franchise. You're no, he's no longer here. What are your thoughts? You know, he was learning it from the media. So this whole situation, the way they dealt with it, just seemed off. It seemed really off to me. I think it felt, it feels like they've been low-balled. They low-balled Freeman in terms of the, before the lockout. That's why he didn't get an agreement done. So, I mean, I'd hate it if I were Freddie Freeman. I mean, I said that I wanted to end my career as a Brave, be like Chipper Jones. Uh, I just won a World Series, won an MVP recently for the franchise, and then you treat me like that. You know, you, you could have just brought me back and you'd still have Christian Pache, the big center field you know, prospect for the Braves, and have all those big top prospects. You could have still had all of that and me, and I wanted to play for the Braves. I'm not saying Matt Olson doesn't, but you didn't have to give up those prospects. You could have had the, both, the best of both, both worlds. And he only has, Olson still only has two years of control, so you're going to end up having to pay for him anyway if you want to keep him. And he's going to end up having big money like Freeman as well because he's younger than Freeman, I think five years younger, middle of his prime, all-star caliber first baseman. And he's only going to get better, I think. You know, he hit so many home runs in Oakland, and that stadium is huge. That is a pitcher-friendly ballpark. It's like a whole football field in foul territory. So it's a pitcher's ballpark, and he hit so many home runs in that stadium. So that's only going to increase in Atlanta, which will increase his value. So I don't, I don't like the way that the Braves treated Freddie Freeman and all this. 
And fortunately, it looks like he's going to end up going to the Dodgers. The Yankees look like they're still involved a little bit, but I think Rizzo's probably more likely for them. Um, and so we'll see with that. Stay tuned. Obviously, the Talking Friars Twitter, YouTube, Instagram for all of the updates on where Freddie Freeman goes. Andrew McCutcheon, like I mentioned earlier, fourth outfielder option. He ended up going to the Milwaukee Brewers. One-year contract from reports that I've seen. I thought that would have been a good fourth-year option or a fourth-year uh, outfielder option for the Padres. And I think he's better than Tommy Pham is. The guy hit like 27 home runs last year. And he's considered outside of his prime. So he still has pop. Um, so that was another signing. And then uh, the other big trade, uh, the Seattle Mariners acquired Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez for the Cincinnati Reds. For Justin Dunn, Jake Fraley, and Brandon Williamson, and another player to be named later. Um, this move, I mean, good for Seattle. That's the big takeaway for Seattle. Great for them. You know, they're going for it. Ty France, Jesse Winker, Tramel, Julio Rodriguez, that top prospect. Uh, Eugenio Suarez, J.P. Crawford at third. They have guys, you know, uh, they're making moves. They're trying to win. And I think the Astros could take a step back if they don't bring back Correa. The A's are going to take a step back, obviously, because they're trading everyone, starting with Chris Bassett yesterday and Matt Olson today. So they're making a lot of people available. Uh, so the Mariners are trying to seize on this opportunity and so good for them good for them that that's definitely a team to root for obviously with ty france and all that um so good for them um but i mean the focus here should be with the reds this is exactly what the players didn't want and this is exactly what the players were bargaining against in these lockout talks and why it took 99 days and why they were so for most of the time, they ended up caving a little bit with the $55 million bonus pool money and uh, the 230 luxury tax instead of the 250 or whatever they wanted. All those numbers is like just blurred in my head right now. But um, in terms of the Reds, like this is, they were one of the four teams that did not want the luxury tax to even be increased by 10 million to 220 million. It's at 230. So they're really against it. And now, you had it seemed like you were building a contending team. You have Castellanos, Gray, and all that. And then you fast forward. You still have Joey Votto there. But fast forward, Castellanos obviously isn't going to come back there. And then you trade Sonny Gray, who's one of your aces. You trade away Jesse Winker, who was your all-star last year, who's arguably your best player on the roster, top of the order bat. You trade away Eugenio Suarez, I believe has been in an all-star game. He was great third baseman, a lot of power. I think he hit like almost 50 home runs one year at the Reds recently, a few years back. So they're trading like everyone in, in a division where they could have made a case that you could have won the division. Rossio Iglesias is another one they ended up trading to the Angels a couple years back. And maybe last year, I forget. But like, this is like depressing for the Reds, for Reds fans. Like, the NL Central was not supposed to be a great division. You know, the Brewers have flaws. The Cardinals have flaws. You know, they lost Luis Garcia to us this year. Who knows what really the back end of the rotation is. Um, there's questions in that division. Obviously, the Pirates are nowhere. They're nothing. So to just, just give up when the season hadn't even started, 
you have this talent under control. If I were Joey Votto, I mean, it's just embarrassing. If I were Joey Votto, I know you want to be like Tony Gwynn, you know, and that type of thing and be with one franchise your whole career and you're like Mr. Red now and obviously a legend there. And the Red's Twitter account can obviously just keep reverting back to Joey Votto tweets and all that because that's the one constant on their team. But, like, this is a slap in the face to me. Like, I signed this extension a long time ago. I want to win. I'm nearing the end probably in my career. And you're just going to trade all of these guys? I'd probably, I'd say, like, I'd think about wanting out too. You obviously don't want to win. You're not going to win a World Series with me here because you're rebuilding. It's going to take time for you to rebuild all this stock, you know, to rebuild all these all-star players. You have an all-star outfielder, you just gave him away to the Mariners. You have a great third baseman, you just gave him away to the Mariners. You had a good starting pitcher, you just gave him away to the Twins. Like, I'd take that personal if I were Joey Votto, and I'd be pissed off. So, that's my takeaway. Those are the big moves today. Um, again, Cubs meeting with Suzuki today. Cutch to the Milwaukee. Winker, Eugenio Suarez to Seattle. Um, again, Donaldson went to the Yankees yesterday. Kind of Falefa. Um, what is the other big move that I'm totally blanking on? Matt Olson obviously going to the Braves, and that probably leads signs towards Freddie Freeman going to Los Angeles. So those are the big moves. Again, the big news of the day, though, is my disappointment. It's, it's disappointing. The news is about Fernando Tatis Jr. being out for it looks like half the season. You know, hopefully he ends up getting the surgery for the uh, wrist. He doesn't have to get the shoulder surgery. I, uh, okay, if you don't want to get that, fine. But hopefully he gets that surgery and he's back in the middle of the season somehow and the Padres can stay afloat. And again, still haven't made a move. We are now, what is this? Today is March 15th. One, two, three, four, five. We're now six nights into this lockout, and the Padres have not made one single move. Not one. Not one. That's disappointing. Not even Nick Martinez. Haven't even brought him back. Haven't even got his physical done from what I've seen. Just disappointing all around. And then you add that to missing out on Cruz, and then uh, kicking the nuts with Fernando, you know, going out. Um, I'm disappointed in him. Hopefully he's going to learn from this. And we'll see with the shortstop position. Asan Kim is going to get the opportunity. We'll see if Cronenworth with this adductor injury that Jacob was bringing up earlier, if that's the thing, then I'd slow play him and I'd give Abrams and Kim, I'd play him every day, give him every freaking opportunity to earn that starting shortstop role. I don't care that Abrams is, hasn't reached AAA. Like, if he can help the team and be a starter, you got to go with him. You just do. This guy can be a 5 tool player when he gets even stronger than he is. So I'd be in on uh, giving that position to CJ if he earns it. I think it's going to be Hassan Kim, but that's, that's, uh, that's the big storyline to watch for me. Other than moves, obviously, but just pod, current Padres, that's the biggest storyline for me to watch is who earns that starting shortstop role. Um, and if Hosmer's the starting first baseman, if Colonel is at second, all of that. So this has been fun. Episode 125, Talking Fires Podcast, brought to you by Gagliombros, cheesesteaks and famous subs, gagliombros.com. 
Uh, if you want to feel better about yourself, get some garlic fries, cheesesteak with cheese whiz uh, at Point Loma location, Sports Arena location, April 14th, the home opener against Atlanta, where you're going to be able to see Matt Olson play against the Padres, sadly. Um, located down the third baseline, upper deck, gaglionbrewers.com for their location, their phone number, Jag- Joe Gaglione, and those guys are great at gaglionbrewers.com. Again, they are a sponsor to this episode. Have a good night, everyone. Ben Fadden. See you later. Episode 125, Talk to Cars Podcast. Be safe, everyone. And I hope you enjoyed it. Have a good night. See ya.